1: the world doesn't need another sports show it
0: needs an awesome sports show you're listening to the naz and wally sports hour on zoomer radio good morning naz good morning wally neil the
2: boys are back let's talk sports
3: good morning and welcome to the naz and wally sports hour we are live from liberty village in downtown toronto i'm your host walter rigobon as usual, with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you? I'm great, thank you. And uh, joining us in studio this morning, former uh, Toronto Maple Leaf, former Washington Capital, and uh, a couple other, uh, couple other stops along the way. Of course, we're talking about Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Lou. How are morning, you? Good gentlemen. morning, gentlemen. How are you? Uh, I'm surrounded this morning by Alabama and the Buffalo Bills. Naz, of course, you're wearing your Buffalo Bills Bruce Smith sweater, and uh, you're decked out in uh, what, what? What color do we call it's that? Crimson red. Crimson red. The Alabama Tide, and uh, are they uh, are they the favorites? And I know Naz, you're a big uh, Alabama fan. Are they the are they the betting favorites in the in the in the college football playdowns?
1: You know what? They actually are. It's half, it's I mean. amazing that there's a big debate on mm-hmm. whether they would get in as the fourth uh, team. And now they're they're probably one or two point favorites uh, over Clemson. Certainly. uh, So we'll keep an eye on that. And
3: uh, we'll be. Still a week away. Still a week away. So that will become the uh, focus of attention as we start getting into bowl season. Uh, We'll be talking a little bit about the World Juniors today. Our assistant uh, producer, Steve Sohoyos, who follows. Follows junior hockey quite, quite closely. He's posted some great blog pieces on the Naz and Wally, uh website, nazanwale.ca. I highly recommend you go there. He's got a pretty fine eye for junior hockey. And uh, we'll be talking to him shortly after the first break. But uh, last night uh, was the return of the king, Austin Matthews, uh, who had been off for, uh, what, six or seven games or, or thereabouts. And uh, it came out... Uh, much to the dismay of Mike Babcock that that Austin Matthews had been suffering from uh, concussion syndromes they had, they had done a great job of keeping that under wraps until uh, until Mr. Matthews felt that uh, he had uh, blurted it out to the press in a question and uh, I guess Mike Babcock wasn't too thrilled about it but what a return performance, Naz
4: Yeah, quite a player, isn't he? Uh, makes a big difference in that lineup for sure Great play with Nylander on the goal, and Matthews on the third goal. He played very well. and The Leafs played very well. Uh, not the last half period of the third period, they got into a bit bit of trouble, and it was a great uh, great uh, video replay for Toronto that made them win the game.
3: Well, of course, we're talking about uh, Leafs. Were Leafs Leafs seemed home and cooled out. They had a very uh very uh, uh what 's the word uh, safe three to one lead it seemed it seemed safe and then uh, uh, a bad uh, a bad breakout and uh, the rangers brought it to three to two and then you know a few seconds later it 's three three until somebody noted that the uh, saw that the uh, ranger player one of the ranger players uh, was uh, a little bit offside, and uh, Leafs managed to hang on. And uh, certainly an important victory for the Leafs. Uh, that things haven't been, except for the uh, Carolina game on Tuesday, where they absolutely blew the uh, Carolina Hurricanes
1: out. Uh, Leafs have had a little bit of a rough stretch lately, Lou. Yes, they have, and uh, obviously with uh, the. With Matthews being gone, their offensive uh, output has uh, has really gone downhill a little bit. But what I've found is they're playing a lot better defensively right now they're not allowing that many goals and even in the six games that then Matthews was out uh, they've really cleaned up their their own end and they're starting to play a, a full two hundred feet uh, game but you're you're also noticing that uh, Nylander and, and Marner and uh, are, are the main two guys that were a little bit frustrated, but they did come alive in the last couple of games. I know Lander was real happy on on uh, Matthews coming in back last night, so he, he is a you know he's a big missing component uh, on the offensive side. And if they can if they can keep that going and keep uh, keep their uh, their own end a little bit cleaner, uh, you know there's a lot of hope for this team. Mind you, you still have uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning there; they haven't played yet this year, so we'll it will be a true uh, matchup I, I, uh, when they do play against them i think Tampa Bay's coming up uh, shortly in the new year but january
3: uh, 2nd january 2nd we yeah. an assessment of the leafs i mean at uh, it's we're sort of you know when you when you turn the page on on 2017 and you're heading into 2018 it's it's not exactly the midway point of the season but we're starting to get close and you can sort of uh, figuratively, call it the midway point of the season. And earlier on in the season, we remember how the season started, and uh, you know they're blowing out teams early in the season. You know, there's the eight to five game, seven four, big numbers, scoring in bunches, and and then the odds makers. I think at one point uh, there were about seven or eight games into the season, and uh, you know didn't they at one point Nas get installed as the favorites to they're, win the they're Stanley still Cup favorites yeah. from Tampa? Uh, so the Leafs are certainly, um, you know, they're, they're looked upon in a certain way. But if you pick up the standings, you realize how close, how, how, um, how fine a line there is in the NHL today. We all have the perception that the Leafs are, you know, they're in the playoffs. They're going to be fighting for the Stanley Cup. And, but, you know, Tampa has separated from them. Uh, And the Boston Bruins are only two points behind them with three games in hand. So, for all intents and purposes, the Leafs are probably third in their conference right now. And when you check their point totals against the other teams in the other uh, division or whatever they're called nowadays, um, you know they're right in the thick of you know you know another five or six game losing streak, and they're not in a playoff spot. So. you know the perception that that we're you know that the playoffs are there and it's not going to be a problem. Uh, I, th- I think we better not get ahead of ourselves. They they got to win games like last night and they got to go on a little bit of a winning streak. Otherwise, they're going to be they're going to really start feeling some pressure come February March.
1: Well, I think they're pretty well lucky that they're playing the division that they're in right now. Ottawa hasn't played that well. Uh, I know Boston is. Crawling up your rear end. Boston's right there. Yeah. And, I mean, and, I,
3: I looked at the standings this morning. I was kind of shocked. I said, oh, my God, I thought, you know, I mean, you know, you follow the Leafs, and, you know, I, th- you know, I thought they were 1-2 with Tampa, and they were, you know, f- and then you look at it, and you say, oh, my God, Boston's right. They're two points behind them, yeah. and, and Tampa's like eight points ahead
1: now. The thing is, is you don't want to get into that fourth spot because the fourth spot is a wild card, and you bring the other teams from the other division in. And right now, they've owned Boston the last three or four years, so that's going to be a pretty good hold if they hold on to even to the second or the third spot with Boston. But they want to get that home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs. But again, it's you know you, you go on a six or seven game winning streak. Winnipeg did the same thing. They were talking about firing Paul Maurice at this, after, about, after after the about 10 or, yeah after about ten or fifteen games, and, and now they look at them. They're they're probably the I'd say in the top three or four teams to beat. Uh, to get to the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. uh, You're looking at L.A., you're looking at uh, Toronto, you're looking at... I wouldn't count Washington out just yet, even though they still have some flaws. But right now, I'm putting probably Tampa, uh, L.A., and uh, Winnipeg in the top three.
4: Toronto's played a lot of uh, road games, though, Wally, and uh, they're 11-9-1 on the road. They've played 21 games on the road and only 15 at home. And after this uh, three games that they're coming up, it will be nine games at home more than on the road. And their schedule becomes a lot easier. So the Leafs have to make hay at home. And I think they will.
3: Well, certainly January, you make a very good point, Naz. You know, they've been on the road quite a bit, and January is going to be a friendlier month uh, for them. And talking about the road, you you mentioned that they, you know, the Tampa game will be very interesting because... That that rivalry may heat up as uh, as the season progresses, and perhaps even in the playoffs. You never know. Um, but the Leafs are heading out west, and uh, just before we go to break, we'll come back after the break talking about uh, World Junior hockey. Um, they're going to Vegas, um, uh, New Year's Vegas Eve. Be yeah. last uh, night. Vegas
4: beat Washington four nothing. Yeah,
3: Vegas. They they get Vegas on New Year's Eve and Vegas has not disappeared. Um, that literally is the story of the year, and they, they look like they're headed towards a playoff spot
4: and home ice advantage too.
3: And home ice advantage. And as you you called that earlier in the year, he said Vegas going to make they the, do
4: this. Yeah, but I thought uh, they'd make the
3: playoffs. I, I quite frankly,
1: I'm kind of shocked. Uh, how do you explain that, Lou? I explained that. Gary Bettman, he's he's done a great job of helping that franchise over the other franchises that came in the league. He more or less, uh, he exposed a lot of the young players that different organizations had uh, in their system and what they've done. And uh, George McPhee, and I got to give him uh, credit that uh, he hired the right people out there and and picked the right group of players for this first year. And all you want to do is you want to try to get by this first year with with the fans wanting to go to the game and right now the fans do want to go to the game and you know that some of these players aren't going to be there but they're just more or less there for for maturing uh, sakes or they're giving the younger kids that uh, that wouldn't have played a chance to mature and get used to the National Hockey League. You know, how, how do you let a guy like Marcius Olgo go from uh, Florida, Florida? From Florida you know, and they're also going to use these pieces. Thirty so, goal seasons are hard to have. You know, they're yeah. they were talking about trading Neal at the trade deadline for some for some assets or from sort of draft picks. Right now, you're not going to trade him if you're in second spot because you're going to need his goals in the playoffs. The, the amazing part about
3: Vegas, they're doing it with the lineup that they have, but they got a lot of assets that they can play with. They've got a lot of draft picks that they've stockpiled, and like you said, you, you've got James. you got James Neal that you know a lot of other teams would love to. I mean, he'd be the perfect trading commodity at a trade deadline. You know, uh, a, a senior skilled uh, power forward, um,
1: and.
4: Vegas, they're, they're how, not, how do you trade they're them? Not You're not
1: trading them. You can't there's trade no them. You can't trade them right now, right? But you can. You look at the playoff that he had last year with Nashville. If they're at that line, and you know, there's certain teams that more or less well, they they're, they're they're sleep for the first forty games, and Edmonton's one of them. Uh, right now, and don't count Edmonton out of the playoffs. Right? No, I think no, they're two they're, or three
3: points out. No, they're, they're they've started uh, their run, and, and yeah. you know, and that you know, that happens. You know, teams, uh, teams gel and turn it around in the second half. There of the was season. a big
4: difference between Edmonton the first time they played the lease and the second time. Edmonton killed the Leafs the one night, and the Leafs won one nothing
3: on the uh. That was the night. No, that was uh, the night that uh, I was supposed to be at the game. (laughs) the summertime, and I
4: and I said to myself, "Oh my God! If Edmonton plays like that, they're going to be right back in it very quickly." And they are playing like that. It's amazing how 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 they've changed, right?
3: Anyways, it's uh, time to go to our first break. We want to talk about the World Juniors, which is uh, happening in the uh, in the in Buffalo this year, um, close by uh Canada has uh I guess impressed a little bit in the in, in a couple of the pre-game tournaments and we'll be talking to our assistant producer Steve Sahoyos who's uh up to speed on all things junior hockey right after the break and just uh let all our listeners know uh, later on in the later on the show we'll be taking some calls we'd love to we'd love to chat with some of our listeners we're getting near year end it's christmas and uh, we'll open up the lines in the last uh, last 10 15 minutes of the show we'll be right back after the break
5: The only
0: thing I love more than sports is sports radio Take it away boys the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio
3: Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740, simulcasting in downtown Toronto on 96.7 FM, live streaming on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. Check us in on your iPad. You'll see Louie here in his Alabama shirt. Naz in his Buffalo Bills, Bruce. Buffalo,
4: slip. New England today. Buffalo,
3: New England today. Anyways, on the line with us, our assistant producer, producer Steve Sohoyus. We're going to talk about World Junior Hockey. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. How's it going? We're doing great. I know you're up in uh, Barrie up there. Uh, is it snowing up there yet? Oh, we've been hit with quite a bit of snow.
0: It got warmer in the, as the week went on, but yesterday... Out came the snow clouds, and we're buried in and buried.
3: And you, apparently you're going to get buried in even more later on tonight as we are in the GTA. Anyway, Steve, uh, you posted a uh, an, on the Naz and Wally website, nazandwally.ca. You've been uh, writing up a storm lately, and on December 16th or thereabout, you wrote an article about Canada and the World Junior Hockey Tournament. Uh, very, very quickly, the tournament's on, starting uh, Boxing Day, I believe. Give us a rundown on the Canadian team. They look pretty good against, uh, I think it was the Swiss and the Czechs. Uh, How are they looking for this tournament? Not a lot of first-rounders on this team, but so far so good. Give us an assessment.
0: Yeah, there's not as many first-rounders on this team as there's been in previous years. There's eight in total on the team. But like you said, they've looked phenomenal as the preliminary games have gone on. Dominated the Czechs 9-0, beat the Swiss 8-1. So this team's looked as good as it has in the last, you know, 10 years. It's, it's crazy to think that since 2010, Canada's only won one gold medal at this tournament. They used to dominate this tournament. But this, this year, this team looks like they're going to be pretty good. Now, they haven't faced one of the top five teams like the Russians or the Swedens or the United States yet in the prelims. But we'll find out soon enough as they play Finland, one of the other top five, or top, yeah, top five teams come Boxing Day.
4: The player that uh, Sweden has—he's he's ranked number one. He says they, they say he's a can't-miss candidate. I think it's Dalen, right?
0: Yes, Rasmus Dalen.
4: Yeah, um, tell me, me me a bit about him.
0: Oh well, there's a lot to talk about. Rasmus Dolin. Scouts say he's going to be better than Eric Carlson. Uh, Eric uh, Nick Lidstrom has come out and said he's going to be like the next Brian Leach. This kid, when we talk about two-way defensemen. He's the poster child. And he's only 17 years old, and he's dominating in the Premier League there in Sweden. So this, this kid's got all the makings to be a top NHL defenseman. Like Nick Lidstrom said, take it from him, this kid could be the next Brian Leach, which, as we know, is not too bad of an NHL career for that guy.
3: No, certainly not. Uh, uh, Canada... Uh, and it, it, very interesting because I know I noticed I, I noticed the same stat, Steve. Is Canada? It's hard to believe we've 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 only won this tournament once in the last eight years. And and I when I when I when I saw that I took a i took a, a step back. I said, How, How's that possible? Um, but of course, the year they won it was it was the Connor McDavid year with with Ty Domi, and uh, they had to hang Ooh. on. To, uh, sorry, uh, Max Domi. <laughs>
1: Oh, <laughs> you're, you're, Mia culpa, mia culpa. we do a sign of the cross. You're going to put Ty in the same shoe <laughs> as Max?
3: Sorry, Freudian slip. Sorry, Lou. Sorry, Obviously, Max. And that was, that was a great team. Uh, Dar, uh, Darnell Nurse was on the team. But the difference, when Canada used to win these things, uh, more so back in the 80s and 90s, I mean, it was ha- I mean, a great deal of the time it was their goaltending. Uh, we always used to have the best goaltenders in the world. We haven't had an all-star goalie in this tournament since Steve Mason in 2008 and Carey Price the year before. It's almost like we don't produce goalies anymore. Uh, This year we've got Carter Hart, who's back from last year. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Carter Hart, Steve.
0: So Hart was a, a pick from the Philadelphia Flyers. He's going to step in right away as a second year. He's one of the returning players at this tournament, and he's going to be one of the top goalies at this tournament. There was a lot of speculation with Team Canada as far as the goaltending decisions were made when they cut Michael DiPietro from the team. I'm a big Michael DiPietro fan. I've watched him a lot in the OHL. He's dominated since the second he walked into the OHL here as a 16 as a year old. He's been a really good goaltender for the Spitfires, helped them win the Memorial Cup last year. So I was shocked when they cut him. But Carter Hart is going to be a good, calming presence in the net for Canada this year. Like I said, he may not be the best NHL prospect in the tournament as far as goaltenders go, but he might be the best goalie in that tournament right now. And like I said, being a second-year returning player, having that calming presence in the net, someone who's been to the gold medal game before, will help Team Canada for sure.
3: Uh, Steve, I was watching the game the other night, and there's there's one kid that uh, one kid that stood out uh, watching Canada play. And of course, you know, you know to me, the top two t- teams in the tournament are probably going to be Canada and the United States. And you know, they went to a shootout last year in one of the most exciting junior games I've ever watched. Uh, unfortunately, we came out on the short stick on that one. But there's a kid, I think he plays for the Kelowna Rockets, he's a Calgary Flames draft choice, I'm watching him the other night, uh, I, I, I can't remember, if I just remember his, his initials are Double D, I can't remember if it's Daniel Dubay or Dylan Dubay. Dylan Dubay. It's Dylan Dubé. Um, this kid This kid can motor, and he seems to have a lot of hockey sense, uh, tell us a little bit about him. Yeah,
0: so Dubay's going to be the captain of this year's Team Canada, and like you said, uh, rightfully so, the kid is—he's a shifty player, great in both ends of the zone. He's a Flames prospect. He's the captain for the Kelowna Rockets, and he's been on a tear for them. He has 18 goals, at 21 assists, in 27 games this year. He's just a good shifty two-way forward, and you know he's kind of one of these, these new breed of forwards, right? Not a whole lot of players over six foot playing that the the forward position. He's one of the smaller guys, five foot eleven, one eighty-three. But he can play phenomenally in both ends of the ice, and you'll see a lot of him. Their top line going into the tournament should feature uh, Dubay, Steele, and Cairo. Kairu from the OHL, uh, Steele as well from the WHL. So the three of them together, it, it's going to be a great and fun first line to watch, and Dubay specifically. One of the most exciting players you'll watch all tournament.
4: Steve, I understand that the tournament is wide open to the five top teams. Uh, Do you feel that's the case? Because any one of the five teams could win it.
0: Oh yeah, and and like we said, with Canada's dominance dropping over the last few years, this has kind of been the beauty of it: is that there's so much more parity in the tournament. I know Canadians sit, you know, say, "Parity? What's that?" You know, we'd love to go back to dominating the tournament every year, but really, on any given tournament. Either the Finns, the Russians, the Swedes, Canada, and the States really have a shot to win it. And I know the Czech Republic a few years back, they're still kind of regrouping and, and, and building up their system once again. It could be a top six within the next two, three years. But any one of those top five teams really have a shot to win the tournament. Uh, this year, I know a lot of people are scratching their heads at, at, at the Team Russia. They're usually one of the most dominant teams, but... They really don't have a big-name group of guys. Even between the the pipes, they don't have a big-name group of guys. Uh, Defense has been a little bit uh, suspect coming into the tournament, but on offense, they do still have a few big weapons, including one of the top draft prospects this year, uh, Barry Colt, Andre Svechnikov. He's been lights out. He missed about six weeks of the season with a hand injury, but he's been back for the Colts, and this is good. He's one of the more exciting players on that team, Russia, if Anybody can step up and kind of catapult them, it's going to be him.
3: We're talking about the, the kid who plays for the Barry Colts. They're actually saying he's like, I don't know if he's 1A and 1B with Rasmus Dalin. It looks like Rasmus Dalin has obviously taken it. But uh, this Barry Colts kid looks like he's the, he, he, he's, is he the number two guy?
0: I would be shocked if he didn't go number two with what I've seen from him. I know there's a lot of, of big-name guys, and this is actually a pretty top-heavy draft class but I would be surprised if he didn't go number two. He's a big body, six-foot-three, plays both ends of the zone really well, and he stepped in usually with a lot of guys, especially import picks. It takes them a while before they adjust to playing the North American style of hockey. He jumped in right away, and a lot of that has to do with his size. Being big as it was already, he's been able to jump in, and he's going to be a big offensive contributor in the NHL. He's quick, slick, and, and just tall, and he's... You know, a really, really talented player. It's going to be fun to watch at the tournament.
3: We're, uh, we're of course talking with, uh, uh, we're talking to Steve Sahoyos our assistant producer, who's uh, a big junior hockey fan, and uh, we're talking about the World Junior Hockey Tournament. Of course, the rooting interest. Is Canada and uh, you know junior hockey at this level and always in the World Junior Tournament always produces some phenomenal hockey at times and some of the, some of the games you'll remember for the rest of your life. Uh, so let's uh, the Canadian team. Um, some people are saying the strength of this team is actually their defense, uh, and there's this there's this kid the Montreal Canadiens sent down who's uh, played the first uh, first. The uh, twenty-seven or thirty games with the Montreal Canadiens. I think his name is Victor Mete. Yes. Uh, and you've uh, got some. So you got some guys who are back from last year. Is uh, size up the Canadian defense for us because at the end of the day, if we're going to win the tournament, uh, the goaltending and the defense have to hold it together.
0: Yeah, so from the defense so far, we've seen a lot of them in the offensive zone. That's going to be their their look in this tournament is how offensive this group of defensemen really are. We really haven't seen how well they've been able to play in their own zone. When you dominate teams 9-0 and 8-1 in pre-tournament, not a whole lot happening in your own zone. So that'll be interesting to see as it goes forward in the tournament. But as far as having offensive defensemen and creating offense from the back end, Canada's got a surplus of it. Got guys like Dante Fabro, Jake Bean. You mentioned Victor Mete, Kale uh, Clogg, all offensive-minded defensemen, and they have no second, you know, they never get cold feet when it comes to jumping in on the rush. So it's going to be fun to watch this defensive core because there, there really isn't a bunch of stay-at-home guys. Uh, Adam Foote's son to Cal Foot, he's fighting for one of the, the bottom, I'd say bottom two pairing jobs right now on the defensive end, and he has looked well, very well so far in the tournament. Uh, he's more. He's a little bit more of a defensive guy, but he has no problem quarterbacking a power play. He does so uh, in his club team out of the WHL, so he's going to be another big addition to this team. This defense is, like like you were mentioning, it's going to be the signature of this team, how they're able to generate offense from the back end. They're going to be a lot, of, a lot of fun to watch the defense for sure.
3: Uh- I, uh, my assessment of the tournament is going to come down to Canada and the United States. And you know, you know, the United States junior program, what they've done in the last ten years, is pretty phenomenal, actually, uh, when you think about it. Uh, although, <laughs> given the fact that quite a few of their players play in the Canadian Hockey League, uh, but it seems like it's going to be Canada and the United States, and it's, a, it's almost a toss-up. And the and the big game, I think it's. Uh, can't remember the exact day. Is it Friday afternoon or New Year's the afternoon? 29th. The it's an outdoor game. Uh, Canada and the United Rich, States. 71,000 people. Yeah, at Rich Stadium. At Rich Stadium or whatever it's called nowadays. Um, but... Uh, Is it is it Canada, United States, and tell us tell us a little bit about the U.S. team? We've got a lot of Western New York uh, listeners. Uh, They got the kid from that got sent down from the Edmonton Oilers, Yamamoto, I believe. There's this great player, Casey Uh, Middlestat. Americans are no slouches, are they?
0: No, they're they're. If anything, a lot of people have them heralded as the odds-on favorite to win the tournament. Uh, I'll be in attendance for that game, the outdoor game. I'm looking forward to it got to dress up real warm because, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm no stranger to Buffalo this time of year. I've been there a few times, and you've got to bring out the hot paws when you head out to Western New York this time of year. But, no, they are the odds-on favorite dude, uh, a lot of people will say. And like you mentioned, Casey Middlestat's one of the more impressive players. He's looked great so far in pre-tournament. He's a first-round pick of the Buffalo Sabres, so you know people in Western New York are going to be watching him very closely. Uh, he's definitely the most dynamic player on this team He's going to be asked to do a lot, and I think he can handle that workload. He's a very creative stick handler, and he's solid with the puck. Their top line's going to be, as you mentioned, Yamamoto, uh, Casey Middlestat, and Brown. Brown's uh, one of the a returning players as well to this team. They have quite a few guys coming back this year. Uh, they're going to be a dangerous team. Logan Brown, uh, sorry, no, he was not a returning player. He made the roster, but he missed last year's tournament with an injury. Uh, he's a huge, huge presence, six. Foot six plays for the Windsor Spitfires. He won a Memorial Cup last year. Uh, you know, this, this kid is a, a massive kid. He's going to start filling out his frame, too. Uh, he plays for the Windsor Spitfires drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. He's going to be a big contributor on this team, someone that they were missing last year. So the United States, if anything, they get a little bit stronger because their goaltending situation doesn't change either. Joseph Wall, the Maple Leafs draft pick, they took him in the second round. He's right back this year. Jake Ottinger, the backup who they had last year, is also back with the team. So, I mean, this American team doesn't have a whole lot of turnover. If anything is, is to be suspect about the United States, it's how well their defense is going to hold up this year. That's one thing. We remember guys like Charlie McAvoy uh, heading this defense. They really don't have that guy this year. It's, it's a really... Young group, Adam Fox and Quinn Hughes, will be their top line. Both of them go to school in the states. Adam Fox to Harvard. There's a Calgary Flames draft pick. Quinn Hughes, he's draft eligible this year. He's another player that's supposed to be part of this top-heavy draft class. He is probably going to be selected in the, the first 10 picks of the draft. So the states, if any area of their game is to be suspicious and to be worried about, it's definitely the defense. The Steve fullest, right. as you mentioned, guys like Yamamoto, Brown, Middlestat, Max Jones is returning from last year too. Uh, Kiefer Bellows, son of Brian Bellows, former NHLer. They've got a lot of, of returning guys who are, are great, great hockey players. Riley Tufty, he's going to be a depth player for them. He's six foot six. So they're carrying around a little bit of size in this tournament up front. It's going to be the defense, if anything, for the United States that holds them back.
1: Yeah, Steve. I guess you got the, the, your retractable um, uh, hot tub there coming in from Buffalo. So it shouldn't be anywhere. <laughs> you should be used to that kind of weather. Speaking of uh, the U.S. team, it looks like they got a lot of good uh, genes on that uh, on that final roster. You're talking about uh, Logan Brown, who's uh, Jeff Brown's son. You got uh, Tachuk's younger uh, kid there too, uh, along a kid uh, that was drafted in the first round, I think, by Anaheim. Uh, that played it in London this year. Or so, but other than the U.S. team, what kid do you think will will stand out? Will will make a name for himself out of the guys like somebody that that'll pr- pretty much just fly off the top of your head that uh, that might stand out that nobody actually knows about in this tournament.
0: And is that on Team USA or is it just in no, the for Canada? In for Canada,
1: not for the U.S.
0: Uh, okay, so. Uh all right, so if I were to go on Team Canada, a guy who's, who I think can really step out and have a big tournament is a guy who was fighting for the 13th forward spot, Tyler Steenbergen. He plays for the Swift Current Broncos out in the Western Hockey League, and this guy's been tearing it up. He, like I said, fighting for the 13th forward spot, he's already scored 35 goals in 27 games. That was Swift Current in the WHL. He scored two goals the other night. He's already starting to emerge as one of their, their, their key contributors, and one of the guys I think they're going to have to depend upon for goal scoring. So that's why it surprised me so much. He was fighting for the 13th forward spot. He's a, a big frame. He was drafted, I believe, in the, in the second round, but he, he's a real talented player. Uh, he plays both ends of the ice very well, and he's just a pure goal scorer. So I think a, a guy who definitely has all the makings to emerge as one of the top players and someone who's going to start, you know, filling his way up and moving up the roster for Team Canada. Tyler Steenbergen is a guy I wouldn't be surprised that by the end of the tournament. He's playing on the top two lines. He's that good. And expect him to really make a name for himself this tournament.
3: We've been talking to Steve Sohoyo. Steve, listen... Uh, enjoy the tournament. Enjoy your, uh, hopefully it doesn't snow too much on you when you're down in Buffalo. And listen, we really appreciate your passion obviously comes through. Uh, it's a topic you're obviously incredibly passionate about. And uh, we appreciate the fact that you uh, came on this morning and shared your passion and your expertise about all things uh, junior hockey. Appreciate it, Steve.
0: Yeah, thank you guys so much. I'll make sure to dress warm. And you know, there's always always ways to stay warm at Buffalo uh, so we'll, we'll find them out, and I'll definitely do that. But you guys have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. All the best to all of you.
4: Yeah, just make sure that uh, three feet of snow doesn't happen like uh, three <laughs> weeks ago in Buffalo when the Bills played Indianapolis.
0: Well, that's the thing with Buffalo. Sometimes you just want to get out of there, but the <laughs> snow doesn't let you. So hopefully, all things permitted, I'm able to make a safe exit out of Buffalo when it's all said and done.
3: Hey, you so. get you probably get just as much snow and berry, Steve. So. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. When, when you're in the snow belt, you're used yeah, to this. It's stuff, not that much. So.
3: Listen, you and your family have a fantastic Christmas. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Yeah, not a problem. You guys have a Merry Christmas as well. Thanks that, for having me on the show.
3: Thanks so much. Uh, uh, watching that Canadian team the other uh, in in the two. Uh, um, they look like they, uh, you know, they haven't got the marquee name. Uh, they haven't got the Connor McDavid. They haven't got the Wayne Gretzky, or you know, they haven't got the Sidney Crosby, or the uh, you know the, the the fantastic 2005 team, which people are calling the the greatest World Junior team ever, just because that year they, the NHL was on strike, weren't they? So they actually had some. I mean, they had the best. The best of the best. They had the best of the best that year because the NHL yeah. was on strike. And that was, I mean, I can't remember. I think like 15, 15 of those Canadian kids ended up going to the NHL and quite a few of them. That team became the ba- – the 2005 World Junior Team became the backbone of the Canadian national team, the 2010 World uh, – the 2010 Olympic uh, gold medal team at, uh, at Vancouver – Uh, the 2014 there's so many players from that team so certainly looking forward it's close to home it's in buffalo uh should be some fantastic hockey look forward to it anyways we'll be right back we're going to break now we're going to after we come back from break we'd love to take some calls it's uh it's been a while since we've taken some calls we want to talk chat with some of our listeners and uh, we'll be right back shortly
2: Are they ever wrong
0: about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio.
3: Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. In studio with me, of course, is Naz Marchese and uh, also with us this morning, Lou Franceschetti. Uh, we're going to open up the call. We're going to open up the lines. I'll give out the numbers. Uh, if you want to call in and chat, let's chat some sports. Uh, area code 416-360-0740. Toll free, one 866 740 4740. We'd love to take your calls. 416 360 0740, 1 740 4740. Please give us a call. I understand we have Tony from Lindsay on the line. Tony, how are you this morning? Hey,
5: buongiorno, boys. Buongiorno, Louis. I'm going to stop. <laughs>
3: Thank you so much. Tony, what's on your sporting mind this morning?
5: Well, I'm a fan of Lou Francescetti being a fellow Italian, and I really enjoyed the years he when he was here in Toronto. And we should have got him a little earlier, but that's another story for another day. But um, I was watching that hockey night in Canada last night. It was Ron McLean, is fantastic on there. Don Cherry, same thing. And, and then, uh, you know, you get to the play play-by-play later on. It was a good game and all that. But you know why? Uh, why isn't Bob Cole? I know he's getting older. He's up there, but he's an icon. You know why not? You know, he was doing it. he did the late game and, and uh he usually fall asleep through the late game, say Vancouver game. But Bob Cole, he's so excited when he calls, his voice goes up down across and you know, and he calls center right, center right, it's not their neutral zone like a war zone or or the the, the boards, the walls, it's the boards, it's just a wall, a wall six feet high and the boards are you know, aren't six feet high and stuff like that. It it just seems like we're trying to Americanize the calling of our game, the blue paint. Thing. That's basketball. You know, uh they call that basketball the blue paint. Man, we you know, start using these terms. I wish we could get back to the uh, the old way of calling hockey. So,
3: Tony, you're a big Bob Cole fan, from
5: what I can tell. Oh, I love Bob Cole. He took over no, me... for, for Bill Hewitt. I yeah, remember yeah. Bill and all those guys doing the game. I remember when Dave Hodge, uh, his first night on Hockey in Canada, he took over. And I remember that night as a kid, 71. You know, it's just uh, uh, all these things. And I, and I really loved it. I, I was lucky. to grow up with the Keons. They lived. We lived down the street from us. And, uh, back in the seventies, and uh, made my hockey a lot uh, more enjoyable. You know, and I just to know that you know I went to school with David. You know, and I still like the way they called the games back in the day.
3: Tony, I'm gonna. I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. We've got some other callers on the line. And we listen. We really appreciate your call. And uh, we're going to let you go, but we're going to chat a little bit about some of the points you've just raised. Thanks so much yeah. for calling us, Merry Tony. Christmas, guys. Same, Same to you, to you
1: Tony.
3: Uh, Merry Tony. Great call from Tony. Uh, you know he's tooting your horn, uh, Lou. Uh, uh, um, so uh, well,
1: he just likes a real hockey player. That's all.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I want to address a point that Nat, that Tony and thanks Tony for calling us. We we do appreciate it. And uh, I know we got Tom from Brampton on the line. Just hold on for a second, Tom. We'll get to you. Uh, he brought up the point of Bob Bob Cole, and we've interviewed Bob Cole on this show twice. And and Naz, I remember you asking him the question because I tweet all the time, especially during playoff time. Uh, the series—it's a which series am I going to watch? There's like six series on. I always watch the one if there's if there's five games on TV, I will always watch unless the Leafs are playing, of course. But I will always watch the one that Bob Cole. Is doing the play-by-play, and you know he's gotten lost in the shuffle. Is he, but he, you know, I just think he's still the best by far. And and you and I, I think Naz, you asked him the question one time. Why aren't you doing the Toronto Maple Leaf yeah. games? And I think he said he he wants to do the Toronto Maple Leaf games. Uh, and the Leaf fans want to at least you know have him do three or four games a year. But uh, you know we get Houston on Saturday nights now and. Uh, you know, and Tony mentioned it in our caller. You know, Bob Cole. I mean,
1: I mean, I want to see him doing some Leaf games, especially now that the Leafs have a good team. Well, yeah. Bob Cole is as old school as he can possibly get, and you got to look at the direction that the National Hockey League is getting going. Jim Houston's a, a younger man. Uh, Craig Simpson uh, played in the uh, in the eighties, so you're getting two younger gentlemen over. Over Bob Cole and, and Gary Galley. Anyways, I want to go? We've got uh, we've got the phone lines are buzzing
3: this morning. So we have uh, Tom from Brampton. How are you this morning, Tom? Great. Thanks for joining us, uh, and Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, what's on your mind, sir?
5: Well, the IOC not kicking every Russian of the Winter Olympics for one thing, and uh, secondly, the Spengler Cup. I love that hockey Canada in there. Those twenty guys they got for this. Uh, Spangler Cup are uh, apparently, I guess, are going to the uh, Winter Olympics, and it's nice to see a Sioux boy in there, being my hometown. And um, as far as the NCAA goes, I'm betting on Oklahoma, <laughs> just because I hate the other three and Notre Dame. Oh, oh.
3: you 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 hit some sore spots this morning, that's Tom. Okay, but Tom that's you okay. keep you keep living in Brampton,
1: okay? Don't worry about Oklahoma. <laughs> we we know that uh, Oklahoma is going to be a a fierce competitor, mind you. They got to get by Georgia first, so we'll see how Mr. Baker May- Mayfield uh, does oh, against he that. touched uh... the
3: sore spot with you there, Lou. I, no, yeah, he, I didn't, you got, he didn't you touch it you know, at all. But good for I, Tom. I, I, good hey, for listen, uh, at I... the
1: beginning. I was check, uh, cheering for Wisconsin. <laughs> well, that, hey, listen. Anyways,
3: Tom, uh, listen. We very much appreciate the phone call. Sir. We're going to follow up on some of your comments. Yeah. I didn't appreciate the little jab at Notre Dame, but it's all in good <laughs> fun. Uh, and we thank you so much for so, calling so, and really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
4: Okay, bye
3: bye. Thank you. Uh, took a little shot there at uh, Alabama, Notre Dame, uh, Tom, uh, uh, but that's fine. It's all in good fun, and uh, Oklahoma does have a you know they they look pretty impressive at sometimes this year. So perhaps Tom's well, we'll have this conversation in a couple of weeks. Tom from Brampton may not be off the mark.
1: Well, we'll we'll see what how they do against the top five defense. Yeah, you know that. Uh, well, they that, laid that they laid a pretty good a beating.
3: They laid a pretty good beating on on a very good o- uh, Ohio State team in the horseshoe. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, gonna, that, that uh, was pretty uh, impressive. Uh, let's,
1: let's, let's hold on here. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to say Ohio State defense and they got, a got trophy 51 winner. points to yeah, okay. Iowa? Iowa, okay. Okay, so let's uh, – let's, don't even compare Ohio State with anybody and the other, defensively.
3: The other point I want, and, and I know we got Kevin from Buffalo on the line. Uh, Kevin, just hang on for a bit. We'll get to you. I just want to get through this comment. Um uh, Tom, uh, raised the issue of the, uh, of the Russians in the winter Olympics and, 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 and the Canadian hockey team, um, uh, the winter Olympics is in about, uh, what a month and a half now, February sometime mm-hmm. in Pyeongchang, Korea. Uh, I can't remember ever in my lifetime that the winter Olympics has been so off the radar screen. Um, because I don't know, maybe I, because, because of hockey, hockey. Yeah. um, it's I, of the and hockey. it's it's a shame because i've got to, you know i mean it, it really the winter olympics has been a focus for all of our incredibly talented talented and dedicated amateur athletes and then the you know they then they put the nhl players in the olympics and that sort of took the focus off uh the amateur athletes and now that the um the nhl's not there Naz, are you getting the sense that uh, we, we seem not to have a uh, uh, focus so far yeah, on, sure. on our, on our the, Winter Olympics team? the caller team? mentioned
4: the Spengler Cup, you, can you believe this? We're sending the guys from the Spengler Cup to the Olympics? Doesn't that sound Anyways, uh, like, I want to come back to wrong. that point. I know it Sounds I, wrong.
3: We've got one of our loyal listeners, and I don't want to keep him holding that much longer. Uh, calls in quite often, and I uh, want to respect <laughs> he's been on the phone for a couple minutes. We'll
2: come back to that point. Kevin from Buffalo. How are you this morning, Kevin? Good morning, gentlemen. Merry Christmas and a a very healthy 2018. And so glad to see last evening Mr. Austin Matthews back in the lineup for the Maple Leafs. And here in Buffalo, uh, who would imagine last place in the Eastern Conference, the Sabres. And uh, gentlemen, it's been a, a, a very strange beginning of the year because... As you know, the the Sabres are not scoring, and uh, to me as a fan, Phil Housley, it's like he doesn't really know which way to go with the team. They're not scoring, but they're getting excellent goaltending, and as a fan, I thought they would be a little more offensively this year, but just changing course, I was so glad What an autumn. Who would imagine the CFL, the Argos winning the Grey Cup, and the great success for the soccer? And just simply, in closing, with the Junior World Tournament here in Buffalo, and like how you began the show, an excellent preview, USA and Canada, by far the two strongest teams in this tournament, And it will be just great to see all the young talent playing uh, the the upcoming weeks. And and if I can just add, it's supposed to be a bitter week here in Buffalo, like highs of only like 17 and lows of 10. So any great fans coming down to the the game Friday, just keep that in mind (laughs) because it's going to be very, very cold. But in closing, you're a great station listen to you every week and not only the the broadcast, but the music and uh, always keeping great thoughts for the Blue Jays too in 2018 uh, be a be a very good season so Kevin listen my best to you gentlemen well
3: and uh, our best to you listen you've been one of our more loyal listeners if not if not our most loyal listener we uh, we appreciate, the, uh, we appreciate the support, and uh, we wish you the uh, best of the holiday season, and let's have a great tournament down in Buffalo. Uh, Naz, I'll turn it over to you. Since we're talking about Buffalo, uh, uh, really, really quickly, uh, the Bills. Uh, are we making the playoffs?
4: Yeah, I think they will. They're gonna, they need to win one of the last
3: two games, and it's
4: probably going to be next week. But New England's banged up, so they're going to have a tough time against Buffalo today.
1: You are you were motioning room. Lou. You wanted to get a comment in when uh, when Kevin I was just was on mentioning to, to the to the general there. Uh, it, that game on the 29th, that could have a big effect on, on the seating um, in the two uh, in the two conferences for the world juniors because remember this is going to be a game that could be controlled by the elements. And you got Canada and U.S., and they're going to be playing for the first or second seed. And obviously, if you get in that second seed, you're going to have to play that extra game. And playing an extra game is less rest, where if you end up in first place, where that's where I'm going to say the the elements, as cold as as the general is saying... Could have an effect on the final score and the final outcome of of where Canada and the U.S. seed themselves, whether it's one, two, or even third. I don't know if, if they have Sweden or Finland, or Finland is going to be in the third seed in, in that thing. Okay, i got to uh,
3: ask you, that. I, I, I'm getting, um, and I'm sorry to interrupt, Lou, but i uh, only got a few minutes left. You always and, do. I, I always do. That's fine. That's the privilege of sitting on <laughs> behind this mic and taking all the responsibility and having to do all the preparation. So with, with, with responsibility comes certain privilege. Okay, but, uh, oh. but the point of what I'm going to say is, because I'm going to turn it back to you, um, I'm almost getting the sense that outdoor games are overdone, number one. Uh, it's like everywhere you see an outdoor game. And, you know, you've got a game in Buffalo. Hopefully they don't get a snowfall like they got for that. That's what I'm saying, the elements, right? yeah. And, 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 and Kevin was saying that the, it's going to be 17 and 11 degrees. Of course, that's Fahrenheit, not Celsius. And that's cold. And if it's windy. As
1: a player, as a former player, would you have enjoyed playing in one of these games? You always enjoy it because that's all we did all all uh, winter and when we were growing up. It was more or less we couldn't wait for the weekends or even after school because we go right to the to the But range. as a professional hockey player. I've never the only time that I was out that one and obviously you want to play do you, against do You
3: get the sense that the okay 10 years ago when they started it is one thing. Do you get the sense that the professional hockey players today after they played in a few of these games
1: uh, are really are thrilled about it? They, they they are thrilled about being part of it. I'm not sure after they get out there. There and how much they, difference does it make from a hockey point of view?
3: How much difference do the elements make on the, on the actual game itself?
1: Well, obviously it's, it, it's all mental, sure. Really, and, and it's it's all how you prepare yourself and the the clothing uh, the clothing that you put on. And until you get out there and you have somebody competing against you, it's a lot different than when you're just out there playing shinny and, and going through the motions. So, and especially when it's you know somebody hits you at. It's 15 degrees uh, Celsius, and somebody cracks you pretty good. How does the body going to take it? Are you going to get up and say, it, "Okay, I want more," or are you going to say, "I don't, I don't want to go through that one"? I'm not going to go in the corner first.
4: It doesn't belong in championship games or tournament games or playoffs. Uh, I, play I, I could see it it as an belong. exhibition, exhibition but in yes, the world junior belong. tournament, it doesn't well, belong.
3: I, I don't know. I, totally. Well, we'll see. I'm, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, we've got a couple of minutes left, and and and, and I don't want to let the show go by unless we. You know, we lost we lost somebody a couple of days ago. Uh, that was a titan, a giant in in sports broadcasting. You know, and that's what we do on Sunday mornings. And as you know, we don't do it um, for a living, like like uh, like the Dick Enbergs and some of the other people in the world. But Dick Dick Enberg, when I when I read heard about his passing, it was kind of shocking. They found him at home. He was supposed to be on a flight to Boston. And you think about some of his calls over the years, and it brought into focus for us, and we chatted about it before the show, uh, some of the great, great sports broadcasters that we grew up with. And, you know, we we're talking about where we fit Dick Enberg in that list. And, uh, man, he's, he was involved in some of the greatest uh, greatest sports events of all time, Olympics and Super Bowls and all kinds of other uh, different things, NFL and baseball and the infamous call, the oh my, oh my, and uh, touch, touch them all, and all that. Uh, yeah, really, uh, one of the greats of all time, top five. I mean, we 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 chatted about some of the guys in that list. Nas, um, uh, Dick Enberg, what did he mean to you as a sports broadcaster?
4: Well, I remember him in the uh, Super Bowls, 10 of them, as a matter of fact, he, he did. And also, you know, I, I did a bit of reading, and he was a baseball player or a coach at one time, a high-level coach. So he had some uh, experience at that level, and uh, he was an amazing, amazing uh, broadcaster. We were talking before the show about uh, how many broadcasters are. What about Canada? Who's Canada's best broadcaster? Of all time?
3: Yeah. Oh, well, that, be a, that'll yeah. be a debate. Uh, we've had a few good ones. Uh, we've talked about from the hockey side, of course. There's always Foster Hewitt and Danny Gallivan and Bob Cole and uh, Johnny Esau. Johnny Esau would be and, mine. And uh, some of those guys from the 60s and Don Whitman. And, uh, you know, we don't have – unfortunately, you know, let's – why don't we bring that topic back for next Sunday? And we'll have our callers call in. Who are the greatest – some of the great sports broadcasters of all time? We'll do that now. Next Sunday, because we only got about uh, thirty seconds left, uh, getting the getting the get off the air signal from the producer, uh, Lou. I'll give
1: you I'll give you uh, ten seconds to wish everybody the best. I just want to wish everybody a very uh, Merry Christmas and a healthy uh, 2018, and hopefully we will or most of us will be around uh, once the year turns around. Nas, Merry Christmas to
4: everybody, and I uh, hope everybody celebrates and celebrates well.
3: To all our loyal listeners, first of all, to you, Naz, and to you, Lou, all the greatest, uh, have a fantastic Christmas, and uh, and the most important thing for 2018 is, of course, good health. You,
1: God, thank you, uh, and I just want to say one thing out to the listeners. Please, if you're going to drink, stay off the roads. can not it better. To all our loyal listeners, we'll be back again
3: next Sunday morning. Have a fantastic Christmas and a happy, healthy new year, and thank you so much for your support. Appreciate it.